Coming at you with another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. I am um, slowly but surely recovering from the uh, Knicks fan meetup last night. As I'm sure the Knicks are recovering from the beatdown they took in San Antonio. Um, Absent from last night's festivities. Part of me wants to say maybe for the best, but you missed out on a good time. Uh, Spencer Perlman. Spencer, how you doing, man? I'm good. Um, I'm I'm a little upset I missed last night, but I have an absurd amount of stuff going on, so I got to keep on top of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you. Um, I'm I'm afraid to ask if you've estimated how many hours of film um, you've digested this year. Uh, Would you even be able to guesstimate? No, I mean I'm usually watching between like. I don't know, like two and maybe let's say like on average like two and a half games a day and then there are the clips I'm watching and then I'm watching some basketball and then sprinkled in there is some Gilmore Girls because my girlfriend has to balance it out. Wait, original Gilmore Girls or the new one? Yeah, the original. We're on. We, we actually just finished season three and it's taken us a year because I'm you know no dude, watching dude. basketball and I prefer to watch that, but it's it, not a bad show. It took us, um, I think we started Mad Men. That was our summer show. We started mm-hmm. Mad Men in, I want to say, May or June, and we just we finally got to the last episode, I want to say, um, maybe in January. So it took us, you know, close to a year. Oh, wow. um, yeah. Yeah, no, so I, I get it. Um, Gilmore Girls is a good choice. I've watched the entire show, um, most of it. Um, on mornings when I was skipping class in college. <laughs> and um, speaking of college, is she in college by season three? I forget if how it goes. She just decided she... Well, spoiler alert for anyone. She probably skip ahead 30 seconds. Um, <laughs> Gilmore she, Girls spoiler alerts on, only on the a, Knicks Film School podcast. Yeah, she's about to go to Yale. She made the decision. Oh, that's right. She went to Yale. Yeah. So pretentious. Um... No, I, I, I love both of the, the Gilmore gals. All right, um, we want people to actually listen to the rest of this episode. So <laughs> let's get to, uh, let's get to the, the topic at hand. So you obviously are our um, college basketball extraordinaire at Knicks Film School. You have written for the Stepien, um, as I've, I've talked about on here. Um, you <laughs> will probably not be available to do these pods anymore by next season because you'll probably be doing this for a full-time living. Um, so I, I am, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I want to take full advantage of you while we still have you. And, um, I'm going to start with this actually, it's the, the question I kind of asked you before we came on. Um, so we were at the, the bar night last night, the Knicks game, um, thankfully ended and everybody was really into this Duke game. And obviously it was an exciting game. Duke beat UNC by, by one point. My perception watching the game and grant that I was, um, a few, uh, uh, cocktails in my, my perception was that um, obviously Zion is Zion but that Cam Reddish and RJ Barrett were not particularly good last night was I was I misreading that no that's that's 100% right um what like what did you what did you see I to me Cam looked particularly terrible like how did you what did you think of last night's game so the first half he was in foul trouble so I think he sat the last uh, six plus minutes maybe of the first half and then he was benched to start the second half because the lineup they had to end the half with Goldwire Goldwire and Vrankovic was actually doing pretty well. So Cam was out and then also Javin Deloria was out. So maybe part of the reason why Cam didn't look I don't want to say it's because he hasn't really looked great really consistently at, at any point this year but I think maybe part of the reason why last night was kind of rough was just because he couldn't get into a rhythm. Okay. Um but, I mean, again, he's he's so inconsistent. So I can't even say that's what it is. And then RJ, it's it's the usual, it's the usual like, crap with him. He, uh, 
he'll like do something on defense. Like I posted a clip before. Um, he was guarding Kenny Williams, who's I mean, last year he shot forty percent from three. This year he's down to thirty, but I still like Kenny Williams a lot. He's a great defender, but anyways, he was guarding Kenny Williams. Kenny Williams um starts on the strong side, he goes to the weak side, he goes to the top of the key. RJ just stays where he is on the low block and you know he's there to help because I think it was I think Cam Johnson had the ball on the uh on like the angled three and he okay. drove. So I was like, all right, maybe RJ's waiting there to help. And Cam drives. RJ literally stands there with his hands down doing nothing. Um Cam misses the shot, all right. I think yeah, yeah, Cam misses the shot. So it it's not like you know it hurt him, but the lack of effort pissed me off. And then he got the rebound, he pushes it in the break. Um it's a three on four break. Duke is three, you know, it's four. He forces it in between two players, and he misses it. And then he falls down. He's on the floor. And then our, uh, UNC gets the ball. They go the other way. Um, um, I know. I know there are different types of players. But if if I didn't, if I had forgotten the name of the player that we were talking about just now, I would have thought that you were describing um, Kevin Knox of uh, the Knicks this year in how you in how you <laughs> just described his play on both ends. Yeah, I'm. Uh... I don't want to go too much into Knox because I'm no, not, no, no, I don't want to, not I'm high just... on him. I don't want to piss anyone off. No, <laughs> I know, I know. We're not we're not going to go down the Knox road. We we know what Knox has, has been and has not been this year. Yeah. But I guess just the reason I bring it up is this. Um, Knox, you know, last year was obviously very inconsistent and, and came into the draft, I think, touted as more of a project. My impression <laughs> of RJ going into this college season, and granted, I didn't know a lot about the kid, but just basically how based on how he was being billed um i got the sense that like these these types of issues were not supposed to be his issues like i i, I was i was that just the wrong perception or has he changed this year from what people thought about him like what's the deal um no he he's the exact same player as he was like last year in high school and fiba and all that stuff and it's he has the Kobe mentality. He wants to do everything himself, but he doesn't have that skill. And when you have someone who who has that, you know, they're really not going to help unless if if they're actually hitting their shots. And RJ isn't a good jump shooter. He still has issues finishing in the paint. And the thing, the reason why I think that actually more likely than not will translate to at least some uh, extent is because he has very little burst in the paint. Like vertical burst, vertical pop, whatever, and he's just like he, he has no wiggle. So, yeah. and when you, know, you say well, when you say translate, you mean translate in a bad way. Like these issues will continue to plague him. Yeah, is what you're saying okay. Yeah, and then like the lack of wiggle. Like right now, he's a power guard in, co- in in college, and you can get away with being a power guard because you know he's six seven, two ten. Most guys who are guarding him are probably going to be between 6'3 and 6'5 and maybe like 185 to 200 pounds. So he's not only stronger than them, but his mindset of I'm going to get to the basket, very few people have. So when you combine both of those two, he's going to get to the rim, but he's not finishing. And, I mean, that's that's obviously a pretty big issue. And, I mean, look, last night he did pass a little bit better. He had nice pick and roll. He actually should have had probably like a couple more assists because there was one layup that Javin Deloria just blew. Um, but but it, but it wasn't a great game. <laughs> I think yeah, it, it's, it wasn't a great game. So I'm just like not a big fan of him. I so I, that's what I was gonna go by. So let's go big picture for a second. Um, I think at this point everybody agrees that the Knicks are going to get one of the first five picks in the draft. Um, you're you've been low on RJ all year. Um, you. You didn't. I don't think at any point in time that we spoke, and I think this is the fourth pod that we've done. I don't think you've ever had RJ second. I think you've had him kind of in like some grouping below. Um, what's your What's your top five um, right now? All right. So this is actually as of yesterday. Okay. Uh, I got Zion in a tier completely to himself, and then I have Jarrett Culver at two. I actually have RJ at three, even though that's kind of like a reluctant three. It's more of like I'm not really entirely comfortable um, putting anyone else there, I guess, because, like, you know, with him, you have the floor of a volume scorer. Okay. And even though volume scorers who aren't particularly efficient, they aren't going to help teams win. 
that much, something still has to be said for someone who you can just say, hey, here's the ball, go get me 20 points. And I think that's a pretty, that's a pretty good skill to have. Uh, even with all the other issues, what what um, is, can you think of in terms of efficiency, a floor in terms of like a current player in the league? Like, are we talking about like Tim Hardaway Jr. volume score, like that low level of efficiency, or something slightly higher than that in terms of a no, floor? I, yeah, I think the efficiency is going to be somewhere around league average. I don't think Tim has ever been around league average except to maybe start this season and then briefly, from- yeah. Yeah, and then his time in Atlanta. Okay, uh, so something like, better than that, but still not. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. I great. mean, in terms of impact, I'd probably say something along the lines of like a Demar Derozan level player. Not that you know the skills aren't particularly similar; they aren't that similar. Okay, um, but like you know, the fifty-five true shooting percentage, the twenty-six points on you know twenty shots. Gotcha. Um, okay, something like that. that League makes average sense. efficiency. Yeah. Um, so Zion Culver, uh, obviously Culver, RJ. the um, point guard from oh. Texas Tech. RJ, and who's who's your fourth? Yeah, well, Culver's like a shooting guard, small forward. Um, he can handle a little bit of playmaking. But I have Garland at four. Um, I think I just got Culver confused with Garland. No, Garland's the uh, Vanderbilt, obviously. Um, yeah. And, okay, he's the point guard. Culver's more, like you said, okay, shooting guard, small forward-ish. And then who's fifth? Yeah, fifth. So Zion is my first tier. The next three guys are my second tier, and then my my five through fourteen tier is. I mean, it's you know, was that ten players? Ten players. Um, DeAndre Hunter's fifth. Okay. But then, like just below that, it's Brandon Clark, and it's tough class. So the two names that obviously are, are going to be on Knicks fans' minds, I'm curious roughly where you have them. Um, so it's Cam Reddish and John Morant, and I know. You've been very low on Morant as well all year. Yeah, well, Morant, my biggest issue with him is that, like, so he's very athletic. He can string together a couple moves pretty quickly. Um, he's a, he's definitely a good passer, but people keep saying online he's a Trey Young-level passer. He's nowhere near that level, and that's not to say he's a bad passer, but Trey was, like, an unbelievable passer with both hands. Um, so... I guess that's one issue. Is like he's a good passer. He's not. He's a very good passer. He's not a great passer. Okay. Um, I I don't really like the frame that much. Like he's probably one seventy, maybe one seventy five now. And unlike Garland, who's also around that weight, Garland's actually he looks a little more like uh, chiseled. Okay. Um, and then the shot, I I hate it. Like that double elbow flare is bad, and that. Like that, that's just not going to translate in terms of being able to pull up on a dime and shoot. So, and I think. Sorry. No, but, no, no. I was just, I was just saying that. So I had uh, Mirren uh, Fader from Bleacher Report on yep. here, whatever it was, about a month and a half ago, and she did a big feature on Ja. And it's just, it's funny. I, I asked her towards the end. I'm like, what's like the biggest concern he has going forward? And just from the angle that she did the story. I was expecting her to say, give, give me some kind of like philosophical type answer about like, uh, you know, adjusting to like maybe a big city or something like that. And she's like, the shot, it's, it's the yeah. jump shot. Is it, it's really that bad, huh? I mean, he'll, he'll definitely hit some. And <laughs> well, that's great. Good, yeah. <laughs> that's wonderful. Um, like, he's a good free throw shooter. I think he went 23 for 23 one, one game this year. Okay. Um, but the way I view shot, and like how the, the importance of it, if you have that ability to go full speed, stop, and then just effortlessly translate the dribble into a pull-up jump shot, that elevates you from being like, you know, a good starter to a very good potential all-star starter. Okay. Um, or at least in terms of impact, just because <laughs> defenses, they're going to have to play you for both the pull-up and the drive. Like what we see with Russell Westbrook, like, yeah, you know, he's a, pretty bad outside shooter he's still not efficient all this stuff but when he's coming full on you at full speed sure yeah he can pull up right from the elbow as easily as he can just keep going to the rim and morant doesn't have that like he has the athleticism although nowhere near again russell westbrook's level and morant's a good athlete but westbrook is transcendent gotcha um but the ability to just go full speed and then bam stop and shoot he's not gonna be able to do that and 
I think that's I think that's going to lower his ceiling a decent amount. Um. So, do you have last question in terms of just the ordering? Do you have Morant ahead of Reddish, or are those guys basically like flipping a coin for you? Yeah, Morant ahead of Reddish. Um, I have. Yeah, so I mean, again, the five through fourteen, it's sort of, it's more like a grouping where I have like Hunter, Clark, Hayes. Um, I guess like the first half is sort of its own grouping, and then I have Cam reluctantly at thirteen, and Oof. like he was at, yeah, he was at nine, I think, a few days ago, and then he was at ten. Then I just moved him down because I mean, Horton Tucker had a big game, and the more I think about Goga, the more I. I realize I like, and then just below Cam is Kobe White, and Kobe has really grown on me the uh, like the last you know month, month and a half or so. So let's talk about Cam because I think in a lot of Knicks fans' minds right now, at least going by Twitter, which obviously is the, the be all end all, there's this <laughs> <laughs> there's this idea that it's like if we get the fifth, you know, if we finish with the worst record, all will be it, it like it won't be that bad because. There's a, a top five of, of Zion, RJ, um, I guess Culver, um, at Morant, everybody has in there. And worst case scenario, we end up with Cam Reddish. You obviously have Cam much lower than that. Do you I, – I don't want to – I don't want to ask you to speculate. I don't want to ask you to guess. But just based, I guess, on – tendencies of NBA GMs to sometimes, I guess, maybe see um, upside more than, than than what's maybe staring them in the face. Do you think that Cam ends up going, you know, towards like, I don't know, 5th, 6th, 7th, or do you think there's a chance he actually does fall to where you have him? No, I, I actually think he's going to end up going above. Okay. Um, like... There's, I forgot who said this, but basically, if you can do something one time or like two times or three times, then you probably have that ability to replicate that same movement or, you know, shot multiple times and like many more times. So, you know, Cam shows flashes of self creating. Last night, he had a beautiful, it was like a, remember Penny Hardaway's like half spin move? Oh, yeah. Can't, can't forget yeah, that. Yeah. So he's tried that maybe three or four times in the last month or so, and he made it last night. Okay. And it looked really nice. I posted it on Twitter. I'm like, these are the flashes that people think, that, that people see from Cam. They're all like, wow, you know, maybe he can do a little bit more than we're, um, than we're actually seeing. And then you you go back to the film and you see the dribbling off the foot. You see just his inability to finish in the paint, although yesterday he had two nice finishes. And, I mean, he's... I'm in a uh, a draft like group chat, and a few guys have said that he's probably the most confusing player they've ever had to scout. And wow. I mean, it's it's true. Like, I, I think he has a good floor of a three and D guy. Um, so you know, like an Otto Porter type of three and D guy, but with better individual defense. Okay. Um, whereas Otto was the better team defender, probably. Um, but. You know, if the self-creation doesn't come and if his shot doesn't get more consistent, and I don't really think there's any reason to particularly bank on it. That's then... the thing that worries me is, like, I whenever I watch, and we've had this conversation about, like, I, I tend to just, I love shooters. Like, if I, I maybe because the Knicks seemingly never have shooters, um, <laughs> I, I tend to value that highly. Whenever I watch Duke this year and he plays, I don't get the sense that he is, like, one of those knockdown shooter types. Like, he's just going to be... Once he gets to the next level, he's just going to be automatic um, when he's open. It, it's is that again? I'll ask you: Is that like a misperception by me, or is that fair? No, I think that's pretty fair. Like, there's no reason to think that he'll come in and he'll be shooting forty forty percent from three. There's no reason to think five years down the road he will. Um, Mike Schmitz posted a video last night. You know his famous slow motion videos. Sure, yeah. And it actually looks like Cam is like he's loading the ball. He's bringing the ball up directly in front of his face. And when you think about that. That's probably the part of the reason, if not the reason, why his shot is so inconsistent. Because he is literally blocking his line of vision. <laughs> so if you if you tweak it, if you raise it a little bit higher, and I think that actually could slash should happen because you know he's six ten, he has the seven seven one wingspan. He's definitely long enough to shoot higher. Okay. Maybe the results get a little bit more consistent. But it's a question of whether or not you have a GM, you know, scouts if they're willing to bank on that happening. All right. So let's 
start to bring this home a little bit towards the Knicks. Um, I, I almost, I, it's funny. This is, this is how, how crazy this KD stuff has gotten. I almost feel like having a conversation about the Knicks drafting in a scenario where Durant will not be coming to the team is like, um, not a waste of time, but like, I'm, I'm now at the point where I think it's, it's a better than 50%. Well, it's a better than, if I, if you ask, if you gave me odds, the same odds on he's coming or he's not coming and you're like, it's, you know, same, same odds for either. I'd bet on that he's coming. Um, you know, although I guess the smart move would be to be bet that he's not coming. And then if he comes, I'll be happy either way because I'm out some money, but I got fucking Kevin Durant. Um, yeah. So anyway, Let's pretend for the purposes of a, a quick conversation um, that that Durant does not come um, and uh, Scott Perry has the uh, wherewithal and, and is afforded the patience to um, not sign, you know, Jimmy Butler to a five-year max or four-year max um, and instead, like, just loads loads the team up with maybe a veteran or two on a cheap one-year – not cheap one – on an overpay one-year – salary maybe takes on a bad contract but the point is the young guys that we see on the team right now they're like all right this is this is the core we're going to keep building the guys that we've seen stuff from this year mm-hmm. who is your does your top 5 change in terms of like all right I'm drafting a player to fit on this roster or is it you know basically best player available for the Knicks because you're not like sold on, on anybody here right now. So where, where would you go with that pick? Well, I think the good thing about this here is that aside from Zion, you can really make an argument for anyone else below. So it's not like, it's not like you have, um, you know, a clear cut one, like last year you had Luca or, you know, Aiden or who, like they were, they were the clear cut top guys. And then everyone else, there were, they were good, but they weren't as good. They weren't viewed as the, you know, the best long-term prospect this yes. year. I think, if the Knicks have the second overall pick, you can kind of you can go a bunch of different ways. So, I think the biggest difference will be uh, will actually be RJ because I don't think you want RJ with Kevin Durant and you know whoever else they're able to bring because I don't think that's a fit. And to be honest with you, I don't really think I don't really think they'd enjoy playing with each other that much. Um, so in a world of no Durant, is that does that mean then that the Knicks you think would should be more inclined to take a shot that RJ you know cleans up some of these issues? Yeah, I, I think without Kevin Durant, I think RJ, I think he's worth a de- he's definitely worth a lot stronger of a look. Like it would definitely be a lot smarter to look at him just because again you know having that one guy you could say hey here's the ball go get me twenty five points he'll be able to do that. Which the Knicks obviously and, don't don't have that right now, right? And I, I actually think his potential fit, like if it, if the three point shot comes, if everything kind of clicks, his fit next to Kevin Knox and Dennis could actually be pretty good. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he doesn't hit, then you just have an inefficient player next to potentially two other inefficient players, and that's not a. I mean, and, that's going to say that. And it's then it's go back to the the liquor store and, and get another case of scotch um, for another season. Um, briefly, and I, I don't want to turn this uh, into a discussion about Dennis Smith Jr., but is... So uh, you've been very high on Garland, I feel like, all year. I think at one point, wasn't Garland maybe your number two or number three? I, I feel like he's always been high for you. Yeah, um, he's always been high. Yeah. Do you like Garland enough um, to basically, well, I mean, I don't know what other way there is to say this, basically for the Knicks to draft him while they have Dennis Smith Jr. Keeping in mind that, I and I will make this assumption for you in this scenario, um, if basically the Knicks drafted, um, whether it's Morant or, or Garland, I don't think they would get a whole lot for Dennis Smith Jr. I think Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah. would want out. I think his people mm-hmm. would be like, no, he's not being a backup point guard. I don't think that would be the best. I just, I don't think it would work. I think they would ship him out, and I don't think they would get much for him. I don't even know if they would get like a definite first-round pick for Dennis Smith Jr., just looking around the league, looking at needs, looking at who would take a chance on him. So, again, back to my original question. Is that – do you like Culver – not sorry, not Culver. Do you like Garland enough to make that move for the Knicks? 
And I guess I mean, it would depend on where they draft, right? Yeah, that's a tough question. Like, I do like Gulver. Uh, G- Gulver. Oh, <laughs> if, if you could combine Derek Gulver and Garland, Derek is Garland. Oh man, that'd be a good um, player. That'd be a very good one. Um, I do like Garland more than Dennis Smith, uh, and I know people are going to look at the stats and say he's not a good passer because he had a one to one, maybe slightly below one to one turnover ratio. But I went back, I watched all four games and four minutes that Garland played this year. I watched. Every pick and roll he ran just from like clipping those from synergy. You, I can't count the number of either fumbled passes, straight up blown dunks like Simi Chateau had one, um, or just wide open threes that were missed. So if those guys connected on like half of them, his passing would probably be viewed in a much better light just by like the casual fan who's not digging into everything as in depth as I am. Gotcha. Um, but I, I do like Garland. It's just, it is Garland. And, you know, a say you could get, like, you know, the 35th pick. Um, I think that's about for what Smith. You, yeah, you know, because, yeah, like, like, Phoenix, would, I think Phoenix owns their second-round pick this year. I mean, I'm sure Phoenix would send the 30, whatever it ends up being, second or third uh, pick yeah, 32. to the for Smith. Yeah. Um, um, but, yeah, I don't think you're getting anything else. Yeah, it's tough because, like, maybe Smith and, you know, someone like Hunter or maybe Smith and Culver is better than Garland in the 32nd pick. Luckily, I am not being paid yet to make these decisions, so I don't have to think about that. <laughs> no, but, but it's, um, it's, it's so basically it's, it's, a it's a question. It, it's one that makes you think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's go in a little bit different direction. Um, I so um, all right. So we we talked a little bit about the world in which Kevin Durant does not come to the Knicks, and it sounds like it's like obviously Zion first, maybe RJ second, or maybe maybe for you it would be Culver second in that scenario, or we're would it be like they're pretty close? Yeah, I mean, I think Culver can fit anywhere. Okay. Like, I think, uh, um, yeah, even without Durant, I think he'd fit in perfectly. Just like, you know, he's not going to be a number one guy. Gotcha. But I think he'll be a very, like a very solid player, like a Chris Middleton solid, like all-star-esque type player. Okay. Um, let's now move into the world where the Knicks, and again, obviously the draft, um, comes before free agency, um, and of course tampering uh, never takes place. So the Knicks are going to have no idea whether or not they're getting Kevin Durant. Um, but let's just say, for argument's sake, they uh, uh, feel confident uh, that Durant will be coming here, and this pick goes on the table. I don't, I don't want to have the discussion about Zion if they get the number one pick and do they trade that because that's a whole other thing. Um, right. They don't get the, the first pick; they get some other pick. Um, do you think there who who do you think is is or do you think there's a chance that a team like falls in love with I don't know is it going to be an RJ is it going to be a Morant is there somebody else you think a team would like fall in love with at that spot that the Knicks could make like a move that would be like a no-brainer like yes you know trade this pick um I mean, I guess you, you'd look at the teams that wouldn't have. I mean, let's say let's say Phoenix wins the first overall pick, and the Knicks have two. So you'd be looking at Cleveland, Chicago, Atlanta, um, Memphis, Washington, like those teams. And I get, I mean, New Orleans, L.A. You have to bank on one of those guys wanting, wanting, you know, either Morant or Barrett. And I think Cleveland could potentially trade up to get R.J. Barrett. I can see Cleveland also trading down because. They don't want R.J. Barrett. I can see the Bulls trading up for Morant. I cannot see them trading up to get R.J. Barrett. Okay. Um, and like the thing is, I I don't really think there's that much that separates like everyone aside from Zion. So gotcha. Okay. I really think there. I mean, like if Atlanta called and if Atlanta has the fifth and sixth pick, and they say, "Hey, we'll give you the fifth and sixth pick for the second overall pick," any team would be like stupid to not do that. But you don't think that's going to happen, basically? No, no. I think there's basically no chance. <laughs> okay. That's that's uh, that's why I wanted to ask you the question. All right. Now, um, so assuming that – and, again, it's we could get into scenarios where they're packaging the pick with, you know, several of the young players to take on a big salary. But that gets into a whole host of other issues, and it's, you know, it's not really worth going into. Um, scenario three – 
Um, they they get Kevin Durant and they're like, all right, we're gonna use this pick on a guy that um, we you know we think can can play with Durant and and grow with the other you know with the other kids that we may want to keep. So you've already said you think Culver would be a good fit. You think RJ would not be a great fit. Um, is there like someone that you think that that's below those guys? Let's say the Knicks got four or five, and let's just say for mm-hmm. argument's sake, Culver and RJ were gone. Where would you look, assuming you want someone who could like basically contribute to the team this year and potentially maybe have a little bit of growth potential? Um, I mean, aside from those guys, I'd yeah. probably the first guy would probably be DeAndre Hunter. Um, what What do you think he's going to do at like starting like next year? Do you think he's going to have a, a, a adjustment period or do you think he's going to be one of those rare rookies that actually helps you win games right away yeah i honestly i don't think he'll need an adjustment period he's like coming from virginia i mean virginia they're very very well coached um they're very efficient in their shots um like you know they're they're obviously a very great defensive team i think just him coming in and like playing his role like right now in virginia he is just playing his role, and he's doing it very, very well. Like to put it into perspective, I think it was sometime earlier this week in conference play. R.J. Barrett was averaging like 34 points per 100 possessions um, on pretty bad efficiency. Um, DeAndre Hunter was at 31 points on much better efficiency, and I know that's very vague. I don't remember the, the numbers off the top of my head, but like he fits in and he's a better scorer than people sort of give him credit for. He's not going to break anyone down one-on-one. Um, he's like a mid post face up guy. He'll catch and shoot from three. They started using him a little bit more as a, as a ball handler in the pick and roll. So can I stop um, you on the three point yeah. shot? Because I'm looking at his, his stats this year and he's mm-hmm. hitting 45% of his three pointers. Now, granted it's yep. only on two and a half attempts a game. Is he, is he going to be able to come and shoot? You know, let's use the number we used before with Cam Reddish. Is he going to be a forty percent shooter? Do you think at the next level from deep? Um, I don't know. Let's let's. I actually want to pull something up. So the Stepian actually has a, an MBA. Uh, they they have the shot chart and they have the different ranges. They have like college three. They have above okay. the break three. They have all this stuff. They also have MBA three. Okay. Um, which I love. That's pretty uh, cool. Yeah. Go, nice. But, play. Go, go to the, everybody listening. Go to the Stepien. Stepien's an awesome, awesome website. There's so many shitty blogs out there. Excuse my French. The Stepien is not one of them. The Stepien does awesome work. So I'm still writing up. a piece actually on uh, on RJ on like why his probably his best role would be as a secondary guy who attacks off of weak side action. All right. So on NBA threes, he has 21 of 37, which is low volume, but that's also 57. percent Shit. Yeah, um, I don't think he'll probably continue that like, next year. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I don't see why he can't come in and hit thirty, thirty, you know, thirty-five, thirty-eight percent from three on maybe four attempts per game or something like that. Um, the only thing I worry about is that most of his attempts are going to have to be just pretty straight-up catch and shoots right off the bat because he has sort of a slow, uh, a slow like wind-up and release. Okay. Um, so like he's not going to be Robert Covington running off screens. He's not going to be JJ Redick, anyone like that. But you know when it, when you have someone who's going to break down the defense, where it's Dennis Smith Jr. or Kevin Durant, and he could just simply drive and kick, and the amount of defensive attention that they're going to get, he can have a slightly slower release and still be okay. Um, is is DeAndre Hunter? What is his ideal position at the next at, in the NBA? Uh. I think right now he's probably just a three. Okay. Uh, he's not like he's got a good frame, and his most recent game against UNC, he played really well against Luke May, and that was the best post defense I've seen from him. Period. Okay. Which is usually a weakness for him, but the thing with him is that he's so fundamentally sound on defense. Like he has unbelievable footwork. He closes out probably better than anyone I've ever seen in college. He can probably guard most twos unless if again it's a JJ Reddick but even then he gets low running through screen so he can probably guard JJ a little bit um I, I feel much more comfortable on him on twos and threes and some ones than I would fours right off the bat but three years from now I can see him guarding one two three four 
And then depending on who's playing a small ball five, I can see him maybe guarding some small ball fives as he gets stronger. As you are talking about this, I am simultaneously talking myself into um, like a worst case scenario. Well, it's not the worst case scenario because Durant would be here. But like starting next season with Dennis Smith Jr., uh, Damian Dotson, Hunter, Durant, and Mitchell Robinson as a starting five. I could get behind that starting five. That'd be a fun one. And then if they could somehow get like another pick, but do they they have the second round pick, right? Uh, they, they have no, a second round pick. They they have they have Houston's. Yeah, well, it's the I I always forget this. I I'm fairly certain it's the worst of Houston or Orlando. It's so obviously Charlotte. that's going to be Houston. Okay. Yeah. okay. Um, Tankathon has him getting Eric Pascal from Villanova, and I love him. Like he doesn't have the best box score metrics in terms of like box score plus minus or steal percentage or block percentage. But like, I mean, first of all, he's from New York, I think, which is kind of cool. Um, but he is six, 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 seven, 250 pounds, super strong. He's athletic. He can uh, pass a little bit, but he is a good three point shooter. Like he is, I think he's shooting 43% from NBA three in college on like 160 attempts. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So he's someone who I target in the second round if he's actually there at 54, which is where Tank Van has him. I think he's probably gone somewhere in the early 30s, though. Okay, interesting. Um, if if Hunter, I just want to play this this whole scenario out, and then I'm gonna move on. We'll finish up. Um, if Hunter, let's say disaster really strikes, and I shouldn't even say that because it's like 50% odds that this is gonna happen. And the Knicks get the fifth pick. Um, Hunter is gone. So now, in this fantasy world, Zion, RJ. Culver and Hunter are off the board. Let's say the Knicks don't want to go Garland. Um, they 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 like Dennis Smith Jr. They want to roll with Dennis Smith Jr. Um, at that point, well, at that point, I could see someone maybe trading up for Morant. But assuming that's not happening either, who's your pick for for the Knicks then? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I know I'm asking you a question. You're going to hate whatever answer you give, which is why I'm asking it. Yeah, it's tough because. Like so, I love Brandon Clark uh, from Gonzaga. Yeah, I was about to say that's a Gonzaga guy. Okay. Yeah, I think he's going to be a very, very high impact player. Um, so why not know, him? Why Why are you hesitating? I don't know if I like the fit with Mitchell Robinson. Like John Tay Porter, I also love. Like I'm a huge fan of him, even though he's coming off the ACL ACL yeah. injury. Um, I don't like the fit with Mitchell Robinson there either. Okay. Like, I mean, I would trade down. <laughs> I know you said that's not an option. No, no, it's fine. A, You'd be aggressively yeah. looking to trade down in that scenario. Yeah. Um, okay. And if there's no trade down, I would just take. I mean, I guess. Ah, oh, damn. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I know. I, I would take Clark. This is great. I would take Clark, and then. Okay. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's a safe player. I think he's got a high floor. I think his ceiling is actually a little bit higher than people realize because he's not a great shooter now. I, he'll probably never be a great shooter, but he's. I think there's reason to believe that he'll actually end up becoming like a low 30s from three, and his defense is unbelievable. Okay. Um, I want to. I know I said I was going to ask you two questions, and I'm going to switch both of them up, and and I'm going to make them related, and we'll we'll put a bow on this thing. Um, John Morant is. Like, I know look, you don't like him, um, and you have very valid reasons for not liking him. And I, I'm curious what what would be the thing that, like, you think is going to – why would that view come back to, to bite you in the ass? What would he do or what would he change? Like, what's the what's the most logical way that you, you have egg on your face for the, the Morant um, lack of love? Uh I guess it would be his ability to just play off the ball. Like, okay. if he can actually show that he can catch and shoot, um, that'll probably change. I mean, I'd probably look pretty foolish not having him there just because he's a great athlete. He's a good passer. Um, but, has he has he uh, had a lot of catch and shoots uh, this year? I don't know if he's had a lot, but he has had some, and I think he was somewhere around – 30% in those situations. Okay. Um, but, like, even if he's hitting those, it's 
he he's completely disinterested and he doesn't have the ball and oh okay i I didn't hear that yeah. yet okay yeah like there's that and then like the defense i'm still very worried about but it, look if this catch and shoot if he's actually able to hit those at a good clip yeah i'll probably look a little foolish and not having him higher on my board okay um, but then i learned from it <laughs> yeah no i listen you're, <laughs> um god knows people who get uh paid to do this stuff for a living have made um <laughs> tons and tons of mistakes um last thing and i'll ask it about morant but i'll, I'll also kind of you feel free to expand upon this so morant is only he's only played like one game against a top uh i want to say what 50 team this year or something like that. is that accurate i feel like i, I read was- that somewhere I think it was two of well, I mean it was Auburn and Alabama this year. Okay. I don't know where they're respectively ranked now, but I think Auburn was ranked pretty high when they played. Okay. Um they are obviously going to the tournament. Um I would do we have any sense of what seed um they'll be? It'll be like a seed a seed in the teens, right? I I mean I have no I have no idea how they come up with any of the seeds. I'm just waiting for the bracket to come out so okay. I can fully pick every wrong team pick. <laughs> so um Here's the question: Does does anything that he does in the tournament, because it'll let's assume it is against some good competition, um, mm-hmm. might do you think that will change views on him um, one way or another? And, and like even more generally, is anything that we see in the NCAA tournament from here on in is that likely to like change views on on? any of these guys really, or is there like enough data already built up? So I guess two part question, take it whichever way you want. Okay. Um, so I do think for most of the players, there's a good enough sample size to have an opinion. Um, so guys like cam, you know, all the power five schools and then, uh, the Gonzaga guys, I think there's a good reason to believe that what you think about a player now, is probably will probably what that player is. Um, but then you have guys who, who they're good. They've been good for a stretch, but they haven't hit that next step. So if you have someone like PJ Washington, Tyler Harrow, if they really get hot right now, so I have PJ at 10 and he's been slowly climbing my board the entire year. If he gets really hot during the, during, uh, during the tournament. And if he shows his shot, if he shows the passing the, the, the defense, everything, I don't see why he can't move up to, you know, like, why can't he be fifth? Like, I, I think that's, I think, that could potentially happen. Harrow, if he's able to show that he can shoot more um, off screens, off movement, stuff like that, instead of being a catch and shoot and then uh, a guy who attacks off closeouts, he can rise also. Um, but for the most part, I think the bigger schools, because they play against quality teams pretty much every third day or whatever it is, most scouts won't change their opinion. Okay. Um, just because, I mean, 30 games – versus one, two, three, however many, chances are it's more of a flash in the pan than anything else. Um, but then you have guys from the smaller schools. So, you know, you're Morant, you're um, Morant. <laughs> Just be your Morants, basically. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, like, like guys like that, I think if they can actually show that, like if he continues his streak of just – like wearing opposing defenses down, um, wearing better competition down, I think, yeah, like people's opinion will change maybe on him for the better. And then on the flip side, if it doesn't, and if he plays worse or if he, yeah, I guess if he plays worse, um, maybe at the same level, if the the concerns are still there, maybe not shooting because people will probably still have that shooting concern regardless. But if the defense, if the, if the, uh, the lackadaisical attitude on defense and off ball, if that's still there also, I mean, that that's an issue. So the bigger stage will put, you know, it's going to put the brighter light on the smaller guys and the bigger guys. I think it's just kind of going to stay the same because they've been there. Unless if it's someone who's steadily been rising, I guess. Um, and yeah, I'll leave it at that. All right, so this is why you never say uh, this is my last question because you might think of another one. This is the last question, very quick one okay. though. Who who is the guy that um, you think is it will 
maybe most likely, or just somebody that you think has a chance to come out of nowhere and shoot up draft boards based on that very definition that you just gave? Is it P.J. Washington or is it would it be someone else? Someone who's like currently maybe a first rounder, late first rounder, mid first rounder that you know could really establish themselves. Um, <clears throat> let's see. I think Matisse Thibel could end up going maybe from like an early second, so he's thirty first on my board to somewhere in the late twenties, okay. just because like his defense is absurd. Although they also sit in the zone, so who really knows? But like his steals and his blocks, and he's a good player. Um. And plus, he plays in the Pac-12, and the Pac-12 is kind of a crap conference this year. And who on the East Coast really watches the Pac-12? Gotcha. Um, so I think he could potentially rise. I think Taylor Horton Tucker uh, from Iowa State. I think he could rise because he's he just turned 18 back in December. Okay. Um, and the flashes he has are, I mean, they're they're pretty nice. And he has like the seven foot two wingspan. He's six four. Um, he's an interesting player. So he's another one who could rise, and then. I kind of want to say even Shamori Pons, um, but love I'm not really me sh- some Pons. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm not sure how much more he could potentially rise, at okay. least on my board. Right. Just because I, ha- I have him 16. Um, oh wow! Yeah, I just I keep going back to kind of like what Kemba did in UConn and just that ridiculous run. And I know you know they lost the they, they already lost the, the Marquette. I think they got wiped, um, but. If St. John's makes the tournament, and I, I think they will. I guess they will. I if think he I ends read up somewhere that they are supposed to make it, yeah. Okay, so yeah, like if he makes it, I don't see a reason why if he gets hot and if he does what Shamori Pons does, which is you know control the entire offense and make plays for the entire team. I maybe he ends up around fourteen. Uh, he could be a late lotto pick. I okay. don't know, but. I guess those would be the three guys. And then, you know, obviously Nasir Little because everyone's still waiting for him to break out. I was about to say, we it, it was so funny. I, you literally just read my mind. I'm like, we haven't mentioned Nasir Little once. I don't think since the first podcast that we did. Um, yeah. Or maybe it was the second one. But, yeah. So, okay. So there's a chance you think maybe him too. Oh, and then one more. Sure. Um, Lugens Dort. I think they actually beat Oregon last night. I think they're playing the Pac-12 championship today. Um, uh, let's see. His last name is Dort? Yeah, D-O-R-T. That's a great last name. Oh, no. They lost yesterday to Oregon. Oh, well. All right. Well, so, all no, right, so I guess no Dort. Yeah, I mean, I think Dort could still rise if they make it. I don't think they will, though. Um, but he's an interesting player because he's 6'4". He's an unbelievable on-ball defender. He's actually gotten a little better off-ball, although he's still pretty bad at tracking players. He is strong. He's physical attacking the rim. Issues finishing. But he's kind of like a Marcus... Excuse me, uh, a Marcus Smart type of player, okay. and then Lewis King from Oregon because he's a freshman. He's six eight, six nine. Um, I was actually looking at his stats last night compared to where Cam Johnson's were his freshman and sophomore year, and they're not that dissimilar. Huh. Um, so he's maybe someone who can go from like the mid to late second round to early second round. Well, listen, I think um, if you are a Knicks fan and you are still um, you know, uncertain about any of this stuff, uh, I, I will give you a, a quick plug. Go follow Spencer on Twitter. I've said this every time you've been on, but the fact that you don't have way more Twitter followers than you do, not that Twitter is everything because it's certainly not, but the the work you put into the videos and stuff, it's um, it's just over the top. It, it really is. And you know what you're talking about. And, and you know, right now it's like... I get it. You like to go for the person that is getting paid by ESPN or Bleacher Report or whatever, and those guys are good, but um, you will be up there at some point. So um, what is your – I know you changed know. your – Hopefully I'll be behind the scenes. Well, that's – yes, yes, yes. I, I, <laughs> you're right, yes. So what is your what is your handle right now? I, I know you changed it. It's uh, – S. okay, S.K. Perlman. That's S-K-P-E-A-R-L-M-A-N. Um Seriously, he's awesome. And, like, the one thing that we didn't say that I won't ask you to comment on because, again, who the hell knows. But, like, I think going into this draft, literally everything is on the table for the Knicks. Like, they could, if they get, you know, one, they could trade it away. If they get one of the top five picks, they could trade down. They could trade it away. Like, there are scenarios where they could trade down and end up with multiple picks in the, you know, teens or 20s or something. Like, 
it is important to start to get to know these guys if you're a Knicks fan and you really want to know um, everything that's on the table for them. And you cover all your bases. So um, thank you for giving us, you know, time this morning on a on a Saturday. Um, and yeah, anything else to say, plug, promote before you leave? Um, no, I mean, you know, check out the Stepien, follow me and like the other guys and everyone at Knicks Film School. They're putting out great stuff and. Uh, I guess keep an eye out on a potential R.J. Barrett article that I have that I'm still working on, um, but it's gotten sidetracked, and that'll be basically basically just like why he's better off-ball attacking when the defense is swinging instead of being an ISO guy. Um, Okay. That's it. All right, man. Listen, keep killing it, and um, I figure we'll maybe do one more of these things before they actually draft – the next, uh, you know, the ne- the next great Nick in Nick's history. <laughs> God all willing. Right. Uh, all right, man. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and, and everybody out there. Um, thanks for for tuning into another episode, and just another thanks to uh, everyone who who came out last night to support a great cause. We raised um, over six hundred dollars um, that I have sitting in a wad on my uh, table next to me that I'm about to cut an equivalent check for and and mail it over to. Um, uh, to the Garden of Dreams. So very excited and very proud and, and humbled uh, and all those those things to be able to do that. And um, that's all due to your efforts if you um, you know came out and supported the cause. And um, we'll definitely have another one of those babies not too long. And hopefully you'll be able to be there, Spencer. And you're not... I knee- so. Yeah, not knee-deep in, in some project. Um, yeah. Unless you're working for an NBA team, in which case we'll forgive you again. <laughs> but uh, yeah. all right, guys. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Get you up.